0: Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Show. We're back with another edition for Saturday's Preakness. Today I'm going to be joined by Rob Crown. He is a horse racing expert here at Pregame. And, of course, uh, your host, Marco D'Angelo. We're going to discuss tomorrow's Preakness. And, uh, Rob, why don't you tell us uh, how you got into horse handicapping and what your style is, and uh, then we're going to preview tomorrow's Preakness.
1: I got into horse handicapping... When I was about 16 years old, I had read a book, and it was actually a very good book on handicapping races, and I started to do it. Uh, there was a racetrack right near me, Aqueduct, that was almost walking distance if I wanted to do a long walk, or if not a 10-minute bus ride away. And I would go over there, and I found some of the quirks that would take bets from me, even though I didn't look like I was 18 years old. And uh that's how I got started with it. Uh after that I had met someone who actually was a former minor league catcher for the Yankees who happened to be very, very good at uh race betting and I also met a trainer uh over at Aqueduct who uh became very well known because he eventually went to jail for killing somebody, Buddy Jacobson, and uh he also taught me a lot and between what uh, those people taught me, and that first book I had read, and just practicing on my own and trying to work out who the winners would be, I really learned a lot about horse racing. Then in later years, I uh, got my syndicate contact, and of course, that gave me some really good uh, inside information. Some of the partners in that group own thoroughbred horses, and uh, they get a lot of information on the horses and do very, very well with their selections.
0: Well, that's very interesting. Uh, I still got you beat. Uh, our other guy that we did a podcast with, uh, Prospectus, he got started early too, but I got you both beat. I was started betting uh, horses when I was 10 years old with my dad at the racetrack. He started dragging me along, and I fell in love with the sport. It's a, a fascinating sport. Saturday, it's the Preakness, uh, an absolute stunner in the Kentucky Derby. Um, you know, mind that bird, lights up the tote board, uh, comes home at 50 to 1. Um, no question, mind that bird, had an, an absolutely perfect trip. Uh, hugged the rail the whole way around the racetrack, uh, come off the rail slightly, zigzag by one horse in the lane, and then right back to the wood for a clear path and just a stunning upset victory. Um, Rob, what do you think, uh, how much of a factor do you think the weather was um, at churchill you know uh you know they never were able to dry the track out uh they had rains uh on kentucky derby day the track was sloppy um how much do you think that affected some of these horses that uh were still looking for them to finish uh the race
1: well it's tough to know how much the sloppy track may have uh caused some of the horses not to perform well that's always tough to know when they've only raced on a sloppy track once uh but you had Uh, The horse that everybody made the favorite because it had done well on a sloppy track, Freeze and Fire, do very, very poorly and finish 18th and next to last in the Derby, despite the fact that the track was sloppy. Uh, Actually, the track was running not too badly uh, for a sloppy track, but the rail was extremely fast and the middle of the track seemed to be extremely slow. Well, there's
0: two kinds of sloppy tracks. I mean, when you get the rain, you either get a, a track where the track becomes deep. You know, it, it, it rains right before the races and it just makes it like, you know, glue almost. You know, it's, it's thick, it's muddy. And then you get whenever you had a prolonged rain and you've got time for the Uh, track crews to try to you know seal the track off is what they call it and what you end up happening is it almost becomes like a you know concrete it it becomes a hard track and uh, you are very correct that that the inside was the place to be a a kentucky derby day it was like concrete down there and the horses were flying uh, on the inside But uh, moving ahead to uh, the Preakness on Saturday, we're going to preview some horses here. And uh, we're going to tell you, you know, some horses that we think don't have a shot in the race and some of the contenders. And obviously the biggest storyline of of the Preakness is, you know, the new face, Rachel Alexandra. Uh, This horse, absolute freak, Rob. Uh, The Kentucky Oaks was one of the most impressive races I've seen a horse run in Everybody is commenting that that race, you know, there really wasn't much stock in that race and that she ran away from a weak field. Um, You know, I can't argue that fact, that that race wasn't, you know, star-studded. But what you can't argue with is this horse did this totally under wraps. Calvin Burrell never moved his hands in the race. He sat on this horse like a statue. And the last furlong the eighth the last eighth of a mile she breezed home in 12 seconds which is you know phenomenally fast 12 second uh final furlong under wraps that was just totally impressive what do you think of the philly
1: i think as a philly she's a great philly in fact we had uh chosen her on top for the kentucky oaks the day before uh i don't however normally like phillies against males, just to start with. And in this particular case, I am not enthralled with Rachel Alexandra the way the public seems to be, because she's never carried any kind of weight. The top weight she's ever carried is 108 pounds, and she's now going up to 121. She's uh, getting five pounds better than the males, because she's a female. But nevertheless, that's a huge jump in weight. And there's no evidence that she can carry that weight this kind of distance. And without that evidence, it becomes very tough to better, particularly from the most disadvantageous post position in the Preakness, the number 13 post. I've been surprised by female horses before, but females don't tend to do well in the Preakness. Only four females, only four fillies have ever won the preakness out of fifty one that have been entered in the race, so I can't say that the Philly is going to be my first choice tomorrow uh,
0: i was you know she is very impressive, and uh I'm with you of the school that um you know being a horse owner myself um i've had the situation where i've had to i've had a really top uh mare on the grounds, and we were dominating. The you know the rest of the mares on the grounds, and it was a case of we either had to sit out a week or go and race the boys. And anytime that decision came my way, um, I chose to sit out and not race against the boys. Uh, it is a huge disadvantage, um, more so as a three-year-old early in the three-year-old season.
1: Yeah, I uh, I tend to feel that part of the problem is unless I've seen. A filly race against the boys before, and show well that you can't take them in the first shot out. Uh, the reason is that normally, from a natural standpoint in the wild, if a filly passes the males, she endangers herself. Uh, normally, the filly wants to be with her with her foals in the middle of the pack, uh, with the males in front and behind, and. That's where most fillies tend to be, even if they're faster than the males. You just can't get them to pass the male horse. Now, sometimes you'll find that a filly will pass the male horse and will win win the race, but she's really got to show me that before I start to bet on her. And Rachel Alexandra has never raced against anything but other fillies.
0: Right. And uh, another key point to the race is Rachel Alexandra's uh, rider, uh, Calvin Burrell, has decided you know to jump off the Kentucky Derby winner mind that bird to to ride her and it's the first time in you know Kentucky Derby history that uh, the winning uh, jock on the Kentucky Derby you know jumps off the horse for another mount but she's that good of a horse uh, and I think, honestly, you know, mind that bird. They could run that Kentucky Derby uh, 100 times over, and he's not going to win the race again. Everything just, you know, came out perfect. Uh, let's talk about a couple horses in the race, um, you know, some contenders that are there. Um, the One of the new faces in the Kentucky Derby is a horse, Big Drama, uh, drew the rail. The horse has, uh, you know, good gait speed, uh, you know, should be up close uh, to the lead, if not on the lead. Uh, This horse went a a big mile uh, in the swell and uh, held off uh, this one's for Phil in a classic stretch duel. Ended up being disqualified and placed second but uh, that was a, you know, a pretty impressive uh, debut race for the horse for its uh, three-year-old campaign. Uh, what are your thoughts on that horse?
1: I agree. Big drama is the new kid on the block. Looks like uh, the horse could have the best shot out of the newcomers to take the Preakness. The things that bother me about it are that uh, they're taking the blinkers off the horse uh, for the first time. And I'm not quite sure why they're doing that. The rumor seems to be that they're doing it to uh, slow the horse down a little bit and not make him go to the front so fast. But that's a strange way to do it. I don't no, think I've ever heard of people taking the blinkers off so the horse won't go to the front.
0: No, absolutely. Um, I'll step in there with that. Being a horse owner, that, that's absolutely correct, Rob. When, uh, when I see blinkers on, I know that they're going with the horse forward. Uh, What the blinkers do is fire a horse up, especially if you haven't been using them. When uh, you put the blinkers on for the first time, you can be guaranteed they're going to the front with the horse, and that's what they want to do. Now, the flip side to that is by taking the blinkers off and open, you know, you're opening up the sight lines for the horse. You're doing it to get, try to get the horse to relax. You want the horse, you know, to relax and, and settle in a little bit off the pace. Um, so, you know, that absolutely tells me they don't want to get into a speed duel, uh, with Rachel is, is what I'm taking that as.
1: Well, that, that could, that could be, uh, I will certainly bow to your expertise in that area. Um, and, uh, if that's, if that's the case, then it answers some of, some of the question marks that I had about the horse, certainly. And uh, I think the horse has a very good shot in the race. Uh, the horse ended, uh, ended the 08 campaign in December with a win in a grade three and then came back and won first shot out a box, as you mentioned, in a grade two. And uh, has worked at Pimlico, which I think is important and uh, consequently certainly has certainly speed figures. The only other thing that bothers me about Big Drama is that Big Drama appears to be a sprinter. Uh, the horse has only run over a mile twice, and that was a mile and a sixteenth both times. And although the horse won those races, one was in a uh, state-bred race, which is a lesser-class situation. Uh, won a mile in a 16th grade three, but uh, uh, still has not gone this kind of distance uh, and probably will have a speed duel if he gets into one on the front in this race. But what he's got going for him is that speed horses tend to win the Preakness.
0: Pimlico is definitely a speed-oriented yeah. track, no question right. about that. Um, I will say one, you know, two points on Big Drama, and we'll move to uh, another contender. Um, my only concern with Big Drama, um, I I know he's not bred for the distance, but I go back to that swell. And I'm a guy, uh, Rob. I don't know if you do it, but. I love, and it's one of the beauties now of racing, that there's so many places where you can go watch replays of, of all the races where before you were just, if you didn't see the race yourself or you only got to see it once and you know anytime you're watching a race live, your eyes are focused on the horse you bet you know most of the time. And you don't see everything going on during the race. I like to go back and, and replay these races and then key in on certain horses and just watch that horse the entire you know trip and see if the horse got into trouble and different things. But big drama in that swell. They could have went around another time, and this one for Phil was not getting by him. Uh, this horse just dug in in the stretch. Uh, it, it, it was a great stretch drive. Um and for being the first start of the year with that said, that is my only concern. I wish this horse had one more race under his belt, um, for the 2009 campaign. I just, you know, they bypassed the Derby, which I think was a smart move, you know, setting them up for the, you know, the shorter Preakness race. And this is the race they were targeting, but I wish he had one more foundation race under his belt. Um, and I would feel a lot, lot better with uh, big drama. But he is a horse that's going to be in my, um, you know, my mix on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Another horse, uh, and I know it's a horse that you got a lot to say about. Uh, you were on the horse in the Derby, uh, Musket Man. Uh, great, uh, you know, great race in the Derby. Just a, you know, a whisker away from being second. Uh, what's your thoughts on Musket Man here in uh, the Preakness?
1: Well, I thought he had a shot if he hadn't gotten into trouble to win the Derby. Uh, We certainly had him to win the Derby. He missed second for us by a hair on his nose. But uh, he did have quite a bit of trouble in the Derby. He lost his footing, and he was bumped. And uh, that slowed him down quite a bit. In fact, most horses under those circumstances would have finished way back in the pack. But Musket Man came charging down what we previously mentioned was the slowest part of the track, the dead middle of the track and he was racing against horses that were inside of him and uh, that he closed the way he did was I thought uh, quite stunning the uh, the horse also uh, uh, if he were on the rail I think would have easily passed the winner although I'm not sure from out in the middle of the track he would have ever done that he didn't get the kind of ride that mind that bird did. I think that Mind That Bird won the race mostly thanks to uh, Calvin Burrell, who's not on him anymore. Mm. But um, what troubles me about Musket Man in this race is that they did not work him at Pimlico. He had an excellent work at Monmouth, uh, a bullet work, which is a work that uh, is the best of the day, and very fast work out of Monmouth, showed that he was in good shape but has never raced at Pimlico and has not worked at Pimlico, and that could very often spell death for a horse if the horse is not used to the track and they put him on for the first time in a big race.
0: Do you think um, with the the way they worked the horse, though, uh, going so fast for the, uh, the four furlongs, uh, you know, forty-six and three, and again, the the standard is twelve seconds a furlong for our listeners that uh, not familiar with uh, you know what these workouts look like. But uh, to be that fast, to me, I would think that they might be changing racing strategies. Where they raced off the pace in the Derby, uh, I think they're going to send this horse out of the gate. Um, he does show starts. Uh, if you go back to last season, where you know he was racing. At or near the front, and he won all three of those races. Um, they might plan on having him a little co- closer to the pace uh, on Saturday.
1: They might well plan on that. In fact, it's it's probable since again horses don't close easily at Pimlico. Pimlico is a speed favoring track. Um,
0: moving on to, you know, the probably the biggest disappointment uh, without question. You know, all the sharps jumped all over Friesian Fire whenever the uh, track, when you had the scratch of I Want Revenge and the track came up sloppy, uh, Friesian Fire became the automatic choice, and they they overbet the horse in my opinion, uh, and the horse didn't he didn't pick his feet up in the race at all. Uh, he got bumped at the start, uh, but we see horses get bumped all the time and still. You know, manage to run some type of race this horse never fired the entire race what uh What are your thoughts on Freezing and fire? Do we just throw that race out and say it was a bad day and uh you know look for him to regain his form or are there bigger problems on the horizon
1: I would have worked, I would look now for Freezing and fire to regain some of his form. I will tend to throw out a race like that. The horse was not just bumped, but he was also squeezed between two horses. And it's always hard to say exactly how any sort of trouble will affect the horse. Some horses are affected more than others, and they're affected more sometimes depending upon the particular race and how hard they're bumped, and that's always very difficult to tell just watching. Uh, So I would tend to just throw that race out and uh, take a look at the races prior to that, which were excellent and certainly reason for the horse to have been at least close to one of the favorites, if not the favorite, in the Kentucky Derby. I think it became the favorite when the trainer announced that it was a perfect track for him, since it was sloppy, but uh, certainly it would, be, it would have been no surprise if he was the second or third favorite in the Derby without the sloppy track. Uh, certainly shows excellent races prior.
0: Well, I would have to agree with you Robin. you know, based on his uh May 12th uh, workout at Pimlico, uh you know, he breezed 5 furlongs uh, the daily racing form uh, clocked him at 58 and 2. There were some um, you know, clockers on the rail that uh caught times of 57 and 4. Uh, for the, for the, the workout. So there's no question the horse is fit. And we, we got to say that we throw that out. And one other thing that can happen in a race when a horse gets bumped or is in tight quarters, uh, sometimes the, the jockey's got to make a split decision. And when something uh, you get bumped or the two horses pinch you off like that, you got to grab a hold of your horse. And it, it's called, you know, the horse gets checked. And when the, the jockey grabs hold of the reins, you can briefly cut the air off to the horse, uh, you know, and it's called choking the horse. You know, it, you know it sounds worse than it is. The horse doesn't, you know, go, you know, he's not choking on the racetrack, but you just briefly cut his air passage off. And it would be just like yourself talking sometimes if your, your flapper flips in your, your throat and it cuts your air off and you start, you know, catching your wind for a second, that can happen to a horse on a racetrack. Um, so there's a possibility that something like that also happened to Friesian fire. So I have to agree with you, Rob, that, you know, until a horse races – Two bad races, you got to throw that first one out and just say, you know, something happened and, you know, let's scratch it and go back to the drawing board and look at what the horse had been doing. So I think Friesian Fire on Saturday will be, you know, in the mix of things and, you know, should be a force to be reckoned with.
1: Yeah, I think what confirms what you're saying is uh, also that the horse showed an excellent work at Churchill Downs before the Derby and was fit going into the derby also, so there doesn't appear to have been any reason for the horse just not to fire, except the trouble that he had.
0: Speaking of trouble horses, um, a horse that intrigues me, and and I haven't made my final decisions on the Preakness yet, I'm going to be doing that tonight, Uh, but the number seven horse, Papa Clem, um, this is another horse that was in that three-way photo for second in the pre in the Derby, uh, along with uh, Pioneer of the Now and Musket Man. Um, just like Musket Man, this horse got bumped around too, and he he had problems in the stretch. and And I think that this horse, you know, just like Musket Man, you know didn't get the best of it uh you know pioneer of the now got second but he got the best trip of the of the three also runs, um and was able to get up for second musket man and papa clem definitely had problems in the stretch and the reason i like papa clem a little bit more than musket man is papa clem was in the mix of the race he was up near the front during the derby. So, you know, he was cutting out the fractions. He was doing a little more work early where the other horses came from off the pace. Um I think Papa Clem with the shorter distance and if he gets a clean run in the stretch, I think he's a horse to be reckoned with in in the preakness. Do you have any thoughts on him?
1: I think that Papa Clem is a good shot to be in the money, but I don't know that I would take him to win. Uh, certainly, second or third is a is a very good possibility. He was, uh, of course, beaten beaten in the Derby, but Pioneer of the Nile, who beat him in the Derby, also beat him uh, in the R.B. Lewis Grade Two back in uh, February, and Freezing and Fire managed to beat him by seven and a quarter lengths in the race after that, the Louisiana Derby, and the. Only two races that he won uh, were not against uh, the kind of competition that he's meeting today or that he met in the Derby. Uh, Consequently, in fact, one of the races he won in his lifetime was just a maiden special weight. Uh, Consequently, I don't know that he has what it takes to win this race, although he is a speedy horse, can run uh, at the front, and may last for. A third or a fourth superfectors.
0: Moving along, uh, Pioneer of the Now, uh, obviously the second place horse, and you know the very popular trainer Bob Baffert. Uh, what are your thoughts on Pioneer of the Now?
1: Pioneer of the Now is yet another horse that had problems in the Derby. In fact, sixteen out of the nineteen horses had big time problems in the Derby. It was a very trouble filled Derby, and. Uh, Pioneer of the Nile, I think, had problems that were almost uh, or close to the equivalent of, uh, of uh, some of the problems, at least, that uh, Papa Clem had and that Musket Man had, and still made a very good showing. He did hold on. Uh, Musket Man came close. Musket Man was closing on him, and it's very tough to tell between those two uh, which one might be the better horse. I am troubled again by the fact that, like Musketman Pioneer of the Nile, has not worked at Pimlico and also has never raced at Pimlico. And I do think that's an important factor when when dealing with these big races.
0: Are there any other horses in the race, contender-wise, that um, intrigue you that we haven't mentioned yet,
1: Rob? I was taking a, uh, um, I was taking a look at uh, uh, take the points. Who, although he didn't do anything in the uh, Santa Anita Derby, had are we ta- well. Are we
0: talking basketball on Sunday or the horse? Right.
1: <laughs> well, it's a hunchback also. There take the points. <laughs> I couldn't resist <laughs> and, that. And. Uh, Although he didn't do well in the uh Santa Anita Derby, he didn't do terribly. He was fourth off by only two and three quarter lengths. Uh but he's a horse that uh uh seems to be seems to have been improving. He uh has only had uh three races since January and should keep improving each race he has through the year and I think he has certainly a shot in the race, it's a very tough race. Um, I am having a very a very hard time trying to figure out who I like for the winner. I'm, I'm glad I've got the syndicate because it's tough. But um, I don't know. I don't know if he can beat some of the horses like Freezing Fire. Um, I think the main contenders are probably mind that bird to do it again. It's certainly worrisome that Calvin Borrell jumped off the derby winner's back to go ride the Philly. Uh, That, of course, doesn't mean the Philly will win. It means that mind that bird probably won't. Uh, Calvin Burrell didn't have a choice of any old horse, but I think Calvin Burrell was the main reason that mind that bird won in the derby. Uh, It's the jockey that keeps the horse out of trouble, and it was Calvin Burrell that weaved that horse up the rail the way he did. Um, I think the main shots are certainly big drama, musket man, mind that bird if he gets a good ride out of Mike Smith, and uh, freeze and fire, I think of the main, uh, the main horses in the race, and I'd have to add Pioneer of the Nile, I think of the main horses in the race. I liked General Quarters somewhat in the Kentucky Derby. But uh, showed nothing in the Derby itself. Again, was steadied twice. Had troubles. The track was sloppy. Tough to tell. Uh, tough to tell how much that affected him. Uh, but I didn't have him as my main Derby pick. He hasn't raced at Pimlico, so I don't know that he's going to suddenly wake up and win the Preakness. So I'd have to leave it between the horses I just mentioned.
0: Yeah, general quarters uh already 12 lifetime races and we're only in uh, the middle of may that to me that's one of the things that uh, bother me with the horses uh this horse has already had a lot of wear and tear for a young three-year-old and we know the um, you know how hard of the trail is to get through the you know the triple crown races uh to have 12 uh, starts already, uh, you know, to me, the horse has already peaked. And um, if you're going to throw the last race out, you know, yeah, the horse has been, you know, around there, but he he seems to throw in a clunker every now and then, you know, in these starts. I mean, he's got 12 uh, lifetime starts, and he's only hit the board 7 of 12, which is a good percentage for most horses. But when you're talking this caliber of horses, you look at most of the horses in the field – And, you know, they very seldom, you know, run out of the money. And uh, he does that, you know, too frequently for me. So I agree with you. Rob, uh, tell our listeners you're going to have your package up available uh, for sale on uh, our site later today. Uh, Your picks will be loaded, obviously, tomorrow. You'll be, you know, getting all your information. Uh, Briefly, just tell us about the syndicate real quick on the information you'll be getting on Saturday and uh, what you're going to sell the package for
1: Well, even though I handicap myself, I use the syndicate for the horse racing selections on the big racing days, and they have done extremely well with uh, horse racing. Last year in the Preakness, on Preakness Day, out of 13 races, they had uh, a main horse picked on top in in 10 of them and selections in 10 of those races, and they won five of them, which is a 50% rate. The average payout was $8.70, so certainly a very nice day. They also picked a triple dead cold in the order order that they gave out the horses in one of the races last year, and I believe had uh, two exactors on the day also. Um, They did well also in the Derby. In the Derby, they didn't have any winners, but uh, they had picks in six races came in second in five of those, third in the Derby by a nose, otherwise they would add second again. And while coming in second, we recommended on some of the horses that were higher odds horses, bets across the board. We made money on those across-the-board bets. And they also hit uh, two exactors out of six, which is a 33% rate on exactors. And certainly very nice when you get exactas paying $32.27 and 27 and
0: change. Absolutely. So your package on Saturday will consist not only of the Preakness, but uh, some of the other key races that uh, that there's a value for plays on the card.
1: That's correct. We'll be giving out every race that they play. That doesn't mean every race for the day, because that would be impossible without simply guessing. Not every race can be picked, but they will be uh, having a selection on, uh, or we will be giving out, every race on which they have a selection, I should say. And uh, I think to get the kind of expert advice that they have, uh, the price of $49 is very, very inexpensive.
0: Absolutely. So our listeners, you can check that out at uh, Pros. Uh, Just click on Rob Crown in his page, and you'll be able to see his uh, horse package for Saturday. I'll have my package up for Saturday as well. My play will be along with my sports picks, uh, so you'll be able to get my complete analysis of what I'm doing with the Preakness. Uh, I'll give you my top horse and then tell you how I'm playing exactas and the trifectas just as I'm playing right here in Vegas tomorrow myself. I'll be working on that, finishing it up later this afternoon. Uh, Weather tomorrow in uh, Baltimore, uh, there's a chance of rain, only about 30%. It could be a little windy tomorrow from the weather reports we've seen, so we shouldn't have the factor that we had in the Kentucky Derby and uh looks like all systems are go and uh rob i appreciate you being on board with us and sharing your knowledge of horse racing with us and uh previewing the preakness with us um this is your host marco d'angelo again want to thank all of our listeners it's because of you that we're doing these types of podcasts and again if you like what you hear please get into the forums Tell us what you liked about it, what you didn't like, what you want more of, because our motto here is you speak, we listen, and we want to keep you guys with things that you want. And if you want these type of podcasts, we will bring them to you. So once again, for Rob Crown, this is Marco D'Angelo. This has been a pregame.com podcast. Thanks. We'll be back for the Belmont.